0: Thank you for coming to the podcast. This is Top Turnal MMA Podcast on CagesidePress.com. I'm Dandy gooby Freeland, joined as always by my co-host, Shockwave Dave Tremonti. Well, the UFC is in Houston this weekend for UFC 271, Ida Sanya versus Whitaker 2, an exciting middleweight title fight that we are so jacked up about. And of course, on Fight stocks and Part me and Shockwave will be breaking down that fight as well as two other of our favorite fights on the main card. As well as giving you an underdog and a parlay that we think is going to make your wallet fat this weekend. So make sure to tune into that and trail our picks. Plus, of course, make sure to tune into my interviews as well. Kicking off the show this week, I'll be talking to Marcelo Rojo about his pay-per-view main card spot. And later on, I'll be talking to Mana Martinez as he gets ready for Ronnie Lawrence on the prelims. But before we get to any of that great content for you, I do have to let you know that this episode of Top Journal MMA is brought to you by Better Than Vegas. Better Than Vegas is the home for the avid sports bettor, providing insights, analysis, and free betting picks. It's like a YouTube for sports betting, so head on over to Better where you can browse and search and follow handicappers and sports personalities as they give you their thoughts on upcoming sports contests in every sport imaginable. That includes my bonus pick, which I list only every single week on the Top Turtle MMA page at Better Than.Vegas. Better Than Vegas brings you this episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast, and it starts right now
1: the hosts are ready the
0: fighters are ready listeners make some noise if you are ready for
2: top turtle mma with shockwave and gumby
0: All right, and joining me today is Marcelo Rojo who fights Kyler Phillips on the pay-per-view main card of UFC 271 on February 12th. So, Marcelo, I wanted to start here. You know, you had your debut all the way back in March of last year, and since then, you've had three fights canceled in just a year's time, all of them being your opponent's fault. How how frustrating has it been for you not being able to get back into the cage after that?
1: Uh, not at all. I feel kind of like really good because I, I did the camps. I trained hard. So every camp, I evolved. So that's the idea. Uh, I'm going to be a different fighter from the first fight. So in the first fight, I took it two weeks notice on a weight class over. So they got that. Uh, the, m- m- my future uh, I don't know how to say my, my future uh, co- contendants just saw that. And just so I, I got a lot of hurt and I hit hard. But in, in one year, training with Brandon Moreno, I evolved the shit out of me. I'm a pretty good fighter. Uh, I'm more conscious. I'm not that fire anymore. I'm just kind of like a serial killer, but cold blood. Like, I'm going to take it easy. I'm going to kill this motherfucker.
2: I love
0: that. Now, you mentioned training with Moreno, and in interim gym is, is on the up and up. You know, they were talking about it all during the UFC 270 broadcast. What, what was it like mm. seeing so many of your teammates on that pay-per-view card, and including Brandon, who is, who is co-headlining it?
1: Uh, man, it's fucking amazing, because we are doing a great job. Uh, in Latin America, this is, is really difficult to grow in, in MMA, uh, and interim gym in Mexico is doing a Awesome job. We got kids from Ecuador, uh, Colombia, Venezuela, Chile, Peru, uh, Argentina. We got from, from all over South America. So I think that's pretty good. And uh, making history, which main event pay-per-view got four, four, four fighters from the same gym from Latin America, man. That's history for the sport. I mean, it's pretty good.
0: It's absolutely excellent. Now, you, you mentioned, too, that you have gotten really better in this past year. You're not the same fighter. A lot of that comes from training with Brandon Moreno, who's a guy who's close to your size and obviously was just in a championship training camp. What do you feel like you gained most from going through those championship training camps with Brandon?
1: Man, everything, everything. But most of us, my fight IQ, because Brandon is always teaching, you, teaching us, and... He knows a lot. He's, he's a pretty good fighter, bro. Uh, and he's always learning and just teaching us. And I think my, my, my capability of solve problems during the fight uh, d- grow a lot. Yeah, yeah. Because my technique is always good and my boxing gets better, my wrestling gets better because we're working with, with people here in, in, in Las Vegas and with Coach Daryl and, and a, a lot of, of people that that's been in the sport for a lot of time. I've been training here in the performance. I've been wrestling with Merab and wrestling with Aljo and just boxing with Brandon. And it's crazy. It's crazy, all the talent that that is here in Vegas. So, yeah, we're just going better and better and better. And we're not going to stop. And
0: I'm glad you brought up the wrestling with Merab Davalashvili and and Aljamain Sterling because I I saw that on your Instagram and I, I was really interested how did that come across that you guys wound up cross training with those guys from Long Island with the, you know, the Ray Longo, you know, Matt yeah. Sarah team? How did you oh. wind up working with that?
1: Uh, look, man, Vegas is the, the capital of MMA. There is more fighters here per capita than any other place in the world. So we've been training in the, in the Performance Institute every day and people saw us training. And we're not like any team uh, we are Latinos, man, and we train fucking hard. Like three, we, we, we train three times a day, and that's crazy. Most of the people here doesn't train like that. They just do the necessary, and that's it. And actually, we feel bad. When, when we does just the necessary, we feel bad. We, <laughs> we feel that we didn't accomplish enough, so we keep going. And the guys were there and just saw us, and they just asked. Hey man, can we train with us with, with you? With us and for sure, man. And they just start coming. And when when they are here in Vegas, and they talk to Brandon, and they come training with us, and that's it. And we invite all the people who who want to train with us. Uh, it's good.
2: I
0: love that welcoming style. That's certainly a recipe for getting better. Now, I, I wanted to ask you about the fight coming up too, because you know you're, you're catapulting right onto the main card of a pay per view. You're fighting a guy in Kyler Phillips who is recently ranked. He's a pretty well-rounded fighter who, you know, we were just talking about wrestling, seems to like to mix in his wrestling. Do you expect him to try to take you down in this fight, or do you expect him to think he can stand with you?
1: I mean, he going to start kicking. He going to start kicking like like he does always. He's going to start jumping and kicking. And yeah, when I put pressure on him, he's going to try to wrestle me. Uh, but my wrestling's good. I, I, I'm getting up just really quick, so... And if he missed the, miss the shot, I'm going to make him pay every time. My knees are there. My elbows are there. So if he doesn't take me down, he's going to pay. Uh, I'm going to put pressure on him. I like that. I like that, those fights. I like wars. He's really good. He come really strong in the first one. So I hope he'll be prepared for me too. Because I know I'm a big underdog. Man, I don't give a fuck, man. This is a fight <laughs> game, so, so I, don't, I don't care about that. I don't care about the pressure. Actually, he got all the pressure because he's fighting me.
0: For sure. Now, you mentioned that you like to crank up the pressure and you, you think he's going to shoot after he feels that pressure. Is that something that you feel like is true of all of your opponents? When you put that pressure on, everybody's yeah. going to try to wrestle you.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Maybe if he want to trade punches with me, I'm glad because I feel really comfortable in that position. If, if he want to see who knocks the fuck out of who, I'm done for that. I don't fucking care. It's a pay-per-view card, man. <laughs> it's kill or be kill. I don't give a fuck. I don't give a fuck. I like that. I'm really excited for that. I'm hoping he's he going to come to do a, a war, not a wrestling match or a jiu-jitsu match, man. I'm going to be peace. I'm going to be (laughs) peace. If he took me down, I'm going to say, you pussy. Stand (laughs) up. Fight me. I mean, he's going to stand up with me. Yeah. It's going to be a war. Maybe fight of the night or performance. But I'm going for the 50K, bro. Well, and I was going to ask you that before
0: I let you go, too. I want to know the prediction. How do you see this one ending on February 12th?
1: Oh, man. I've been training so hard for this. I don't know. And on a sub or a knockout, I'm going to go hard. I'm going to go hard. All right. Well, we're looking forward to it. Now, before I let you go, I did
0: want to ask one more thing, too, because, you know, you didn't get a chance to pick up the win in that first fight, and you said, you know, obviously, on two weeks' notice and up a weight class, and this is going to be your first chance to get a win in the UFC. I got to know, because I've seen you on the regional scene. I saw you win with that Raptor celebration. Are we going to get to yeah. see that in the UFC if, if you win uh, on, on February
1: 12th? Uh, I don't know, bro. I, I don't plan that shit. It's, it's kind of like weird. Every time I do difference, different shape, like, but yeah, people want to see the Raptor again. So maybe I'm going to bring him some awesome knockout and then I'm going to Raptor.
0: <laughs> well, we're looking forward to whatever it is you bring after that fight. And once again, fans, this has been Marcelo Rojo who fights Kyler Phillips at UFC 271. That fight is on February 12th. Marcelo, thank you so much for the time. I really appreciate thank it. Thank
1: you, brother. Thank you. Well, we hope
0: you enjoyed that interview with Marcelo Rojo. I, once again, am Daniel. You're going to be really joined now by my co-host, Shockwave Dave Tremonte. Dave, let's start here. A bit of good news in the UFC world. It appears Israel Adesanya has signed a multi-fight big deal extension. His uh, management team, Paradigm Management, has announced that not only is it a multi-fight deal, but it will make him one of the richest combat sports athletes going right now. Your thoughts. It's tremendous. I'm so happy
3: we got to bypass that round of negotiations where he started floating rumors of wanting to box a Paul brother. I guess when you're not ref by CAA, the UFC is going to go out of their way to really take care of you. And if there was ever someone that should be signed to a multi-fight deal, it's Ida Sanya. Uh, He is a very exciting fighter, obviously, but he's, you know, 32, so he still has some good years left ahead of him. I remember when they signed Anderson Silva to a multi-fight contract. And even if they knew he wouldn't fight all of those out, this was before, I, I think it was signed right around the Chris Weidman fight. But I remember thinking to myself, even at that time, like, how many more years does Anderson Silva have left? If you're going to sign a mega multi-fight contract, be it on someone in their prime, like Izzy Ida but I, again, can't help but relate this back to the Francis Naganu negotiations, because Francis, also a champion and also on the rise, this is something I just noticed. So Izzy Aydesanya, you know, brings, besides a very exciting fighting style, the style that the UFC likes, he's great at social media and he has, you know, uh, he has five million Instagram followers, which I thought was pretty impressive. But you know what? Naganu has three million and he's been on the scene a lot less. And heavyweights typically get more public recognition, especially the more Naganu continues to defend the belt. And he's not obviously like a social media whiz like Ida Sanya. I mean, I'll give you a point of comparison. Mike Trout only has one million Instagram followers. And then you think about the amount of money he makes, and obviously I know union, baseball, everything else. But it's really interesting to me that Ida Sanya gets this multi-fight deal at the same
0: time as they're negotiating with Francis Nagano. Yeah, it almost, I I was going to say, it almost feels timed, doesn't it? Um, That like in the midst of... All of this talk about how the UFC is not being fair and stuff like that. It it does feel like they just, like, squeaked out, like, hey, by the way, we were really nice to this star. Um, Although they didn't make the announcement, too. That's the other thing. It was the, the management team, which also, hey, could be intentional. Maybe they're trying to send a message to CAA. Look, we play ball with these certain agents and stuff like that. Because... Uh, And and Paradigm has a long history of working very well with the UFC. There's lots of fighters that you know and probably love that that fight under Paradigm. Um, That's Audi Auditar and Tim Simpson are the the managers uh, out there, the agents out there, which means you get guys like – You know, if I'm not mistaken, that's Conor McGregor's, you know, you're you're who they've worked with in in getting outside of the UFC kind of representation and and letting a box. And we saw, they have Wonder Boy, I'm pretty sure, under their staff too. So they're a, a group that works well with the UFC. So letting them announce it too, probably just another play in the UFC's hands. But also it's worth noting too, that I think Israel Adesanya had him over the coals a little bit. He said... Um, in his Media Day interview, that he had not signed the bout agreement to fight Robert Whitaker this weekend until Monday, uh, which is an insane concept with the amount that they put into this card and the fact that there's not a second title fight on it. I think he had a little bit of leverage there, um, which may have been a sneaky move on their part, but um, regardless of, of whether or not we're conspiracy theorying this out and saying that you know they released it on purpose or whether he had the leverage... Let's just say we're happy it happened, uh, and I'm glad I don't have to worry about seeing Israel Adesanya no longer with the UFC.
2: Yeah, I'm
3: totally with you. And I do want to say I think 100% the UFC might have given Paradigm the blessing to be the ones to release it. It does send a message to other agencies. These are people we like to deal with and will play ball with. And it strikes me as a very Dana White kind of passive-aggressive move. But, hey, you know what? Why break down a contract negotiation when we could break down an actual fight? You already said it. Izzy's fighting this weekend against Robert Whitaker. It's a rematch for their middleweight title. So we get to bring the fans, our favorite segment on the show, Fights, Dogs, Parlays. We'll break down a couple of fights. We'll give you a couple of live dogs and a parlay to play if you're a gambling addict. Well, hopefully you're not a gambling addict, but hopefully you enjoy gambling responsibly, much like we do. So it's Fights, Dogs, and Parlays for UC 271.
0: But before we do it, Gumby. Who sponsors it? Absolutely. Fights Talks and parlays is brought to you by Double Nickels Sports Betting. Check out Nickels over on Instagram at five, five Double Nickels 55. Five. My guy's going to send you five picks each and every morning from the world of NBA, NHL, MLB, and of course, MMA. And I'm not lying to you when I'm telling you he's hitting almost five every single day. And if not, he's hitting four of them. He recently is coming off an absolute heater where he hit 11 straight picks and he's not just giving you picks either. Unlike all those other guys, he's giving you far more than that. He gives you tips and insights that put you at the front of the game alongside of him. And if you don't believe me, well, you're probably alone. And with prices that never exceed 10 bucks a day and go as low as 4 bucks a day, there's really no reason not to give him a try. So check him out over on Instagram, at 55 five 55 Tell him Gumby and Dave sent you, and he'll hit you with that 10% discount, Double Nickel Sports Betting.
3: What? A great main event. Uh one of the things I like about this is the it's a rematch, of course, for the middleweight title, which Ida Sanya beat Robert Whitaker for back in October of twenty nineteen at a massively successful show in Australia uh in front of near sixty thousand fans. Um, is that it wasn't an immediate rematch. You know, both fighters went their separate ways and Whitaker certainly re-earned the title shot. He's gotten three wins in a row, beat Darren Till, Jared Cannonier, or Kelvin Gaston, all by unanimous decision. One thing I find interesting in those wins, Gumby, I feel as though we're seeing a more nuanced, maybe a more patient uh Whitaker. I really think the loss to Izzy had him focus more on, you know, somewhat like tactical slash practical striking he had people on the ropes he didn't necessarily need to go in for the kill he isn't like you know maybe so much the brawling robert Whitaker that we saw on the come up where he just wanted to knock your freaking head off back in say 2014 I think we're seeing peak Robert Whittaker right now, and he's going to need to be in peak form if he wants to beat Israel Adesanya. Sort of funny, since the the initial win where Adesanya won the title from Whittaker – you know, he has defended three times, but you look at his record and he has a loss in there. Of course, the loss was not at middleweight, though, so he did not lose his title. The loss was at light heavyweight, and we spoke about that at the time when he came up to fight Jan Blankowitz, how much we do not like a champion coming up in weight class before he's really cleaned up the division. So bottom line, since they met in 2019, he is 3-1, and one, Is Izzy Adesanya. He defended against Yolo Romero. Uh, he defended against Paulo Costa via TKO and then humped him from behind. He defended against Marvin Vittoria via, via unanimous decision. And he, of course, lost to Jan Blankowitz for the light heavyweight title. That all being said, Ida Sanya, the minus 275 favorite. Robert Whitaker, the plus 220 dog. What is Whitaker's path here, Gumby? I assume you are taking the near 3-1 to one favorite in Ida Sanya, which I am. I will tell you.
0: Yeah, I'm going to take Israel Adesanya, it, and here's the problem, too, is I, I think Whitaker's best path to victory is doing what he did last time, maybe a little bit more composed version of it, but boxing with, with Israel Desanya and trying to pick him apart, and I don't think that that's a very good strategy, but a lot of people have talked about, you know, he should take a page out of Jan Blankovic's book and try to wrestle him a little bit more, which, you know, not for anything. Robert Whitaker does have good wrestling, but... If you've seen anybody try to wrestle Israel Adesanya, it generally doesn't go well. He has phenomenal takedown defense. People forget that regularly because they like to talk about him as this kickboxer, as this transplant from the world of kickboxing, when really he is excellent at defending the takedown. And I think if Robert Whitaker goes in with that strategy, which to some extent I think he might, I think he's going to get stuffed a couple of times. I think that's going to make him more tired, and I don't think that that's really going to upset the flow of Adesanya. If anything, it's going to give him more confidence to let go a little bit more and really put it on Whitaker. So I see very little path to victory here for Whitaker. Um, you know, there is a chance, I guess, that he could he could win that takedown battle or grind, but I just don't see it happening. So, yeah, I'm going with Israel Adesanya, a big favorite here. Um not not thrilled about the line, but I, I'm still definitely taking him.
3: Yeah, I, exactly. I mean, it's straight up. You're taking Izzy all day. You look at the odds, and Whitaker is a very good fighter, and anything could help happen in fighting, puncher's chance, blah, blah, blah. You've heard it before. You know, I don't know what the person who's listening to this, what your passion for uh, risk is. I don't know how much spare change you have lying around in your bivada. Uh, you know, bank account, or if you got some fresh money to play with as all the casinos love to do now, the sports books, they'll say, you know, we'll give you 300 bonus points if you bet $300, uh, but then you have to wager it like three times over. To win it. <laughs> My point being, it's not the worst. It's not the worst. If you wanted to throw a 50 or a C-note on Whitaker at those odds, because he is a very good fighter. Unfortunately, he just happens to be facing Israel Adesanya. Adesanya is definitely the pick, straight up. Okay, let's move on to a very fun fight that I'm glad is not a fight night main event and five rounds, as you actually brought up off-air to me. It's Derek Lewis versus Tai Tuivasa in a heavyweight. Who gets to knock out who? And hopefully Shuey gets to shoot a boot afterwards, or maybe Derek Lewis will say something funny. Either way, it's kind of a can't-lose as long as it doesn't turn into one of those slow, plodding heavyweight fights where both guys are scared to pull the trigger. But I don't think that's going to be the case. Derek Lewis is the minus-190 favorite. Uh, he's coming off a big KO win over Chris Dawkins, another UFC prospect that, you know, Lewis sort of in the role of gatekeeper at that, this point. He lost to Cyril game, who went on to fight Naganu for the title, but then he beat Chris Dawkus. So now Dawkus has to go to the back of the line to Ivasa in a similar situation. He's on a three-fight losing streak. Excuse, or excuse me. Let me start over. He's on a four-fight winning streak after a three-fight losing streak. So when the calendar turned to 2020 in the past two years, or, uh, yeah, in the past two years, he has won four in a row, beating the likes of Stefan Strube, Greg Hardy, Augustus Sakai, Harry Hunsucker. But if he were to lose to Derek Lewis, It's almost all for naught, and he's going to have to reclimb up the ladder to try to earn a heavyweight title shot. So kind of interesting when it comes to Vasa's career. Lewis could eat the loss. He'll still be entertaining. He could still main event a fight night, and he could fight the next up-and-coming fighter as a gatekeeper. Vasa probably needs the win a little bit more. He is the plus-160 favorite as Vasa. Lewis, the minus-190 dog. Who you got?
0: I'm going to go with Derek Lewis. Um, I I will tell you straight up, up front that I really do think uh, getting to see Derek Lewis lose to Tai Tuivasa would actually bring me a great deal of joy. And not because I dislike Derek Lewis, but because I'd like to see a fresh face at the top. I love Tai Tuivasa's story. He's super marketable. I'd love to see him win this fight. Here's the problem I have. I, I worry about how much risk Tai Tuivasa takes on in a fight. Um, you know, you you mentioned off-air, to, to give you a piece uh, here too, is that Derek Lewis sometimes puts in a stinker where he has a staring contest with somebody like he did with Francis Ngannou. The problem is, is Ty Twivasa doesn't have those types of fights. If Derek Lewis is having one of those fights where he's just going to sit back and kind of not fight, Twivasa is going to take the fight to him. And that might be the worst thing he could do. You know, like he could probably win a technical kick him from a distance fight and back away. If Derek Lewis is in one of those moods, I just don't think he's in the right place to do that. He's not in the right place to have a surreal gain, uh, you know, game plan. So as a result, I think Derek Lewis is gonna knock him out. um, and it's hard to say that about a prospect who I'm high on and I'd like to see he reach' his potential, but yeah, I, I think Derek Lewis is picking up the knockout here when Tuivasa gets a little crazy. I mean, Greg Hardy nearly tagged him once and yeah, he did counter and eventually get that knockout. Derek Lewis is quite a bit better than Greg Hardy, and I think he gets the knockout here.
3: I'm not going to disagree with you. I also just want to echo what you said, which is I'm actually really rooting for Tai Tuivasa. Not because like I have some you know vendetta against Derek Lewis. It's just Lewis is going to be a yeah. It's tough to describe. It's sort of like a Mark Hunt situation. I don't see Lewis as someone who's going to be a title who's going to be a champion and hold the belt for a long time or go on a run. Could he fill in as a last minute replacement and have sort of a late career Bisping-esque title reign? Yes, absolutely. But he's not going to be the heavyweight guy. He's too off and on, has weird performances. So that all being said, you know, if he wants to beat Chris Dawkus and you know, send him to the back of the line and be a learning lesson for a young fighter like that. Fine, I don't want to see him do it to two fighters in a row. Like I, like you said, I want to see new blood at the top. So I am rooting for Tai Tuivasa. Let's move on. Middleweight fight. Jared Cannonier is a minus 180 favorite to Derek Brunson, a plus 155 dog. Cannonier two and one in his last three. He lost to Robert Whitaker. He beat Kelvin gas. He's coming off a win over Kelvin Gastelum. Lost to Robert Whitaker before that. Beat Jack Hermanson before that. If you want to peel it back even further, uh, he's actually 4-1 in his last five fights. Uh, But fighting Derek Brunson, who's on a five-fight win streak himself, uh, Brunson is coming off a rear-naked choke, submission victory over Darren Till, beat Kevin Holland, beat Edmund Shabazian, Ian Hynish, and Elias Theodoro before that. So since 2019, uh, Brunson has been perfect, but here he is as the plus-155 dog. What do you make of it?
0: I think it's crazy. I'm taking Derek Brunson in this one because, you know, you mentioned that winning streak that takes you back to the beginning of 2019. All five of those fights were after he changed to Sanford MMA, which um, was the big turning point in his career. He had, of course, come off of back-to-back losses against Israel Adesanya and Jacare Souza before that. And really, the problem for me with him in those fights is that he was not committed to his wrestling. He moves to Sanford MMA, which ironically enough is run by Henry Hooft, a great kickboxer, and he recommits to his grappling. Granted, his striking has gotten better in that time as well. He got the knockout over Edmund Shabazian, but in every single one of those fights, he has multiple takedowns. He took down Theodoro four times. He took down Kevin Holland six times. He took down Darren Till three times, and Edmund Shabazian, who's not a bad wrestler, got taken down like the guy gets it done now with his wrestling. And it, I think part of the reason why people don't, you know, are doubting him a little bit is a couple of those guys, not great at defending takedowns, right? Kevin Holland, not great. There until is though in, I think Jared Cannonier quite good at defending takedowns in his own right. But part of the problem is, is that we're, we're judging Derek Brunson's whole career of shooting takedowns and not just what he's done since going to Sanford MMA, which I've seen is large, large jumps in his game. So, I actually like him to use his wrestling here, implement it enough. I think he's probably going to lag behind a little bit in the striking, but his ability to mix it up between those two worlds should be enough to get it done. And again, I like the plus money.
3: I like it. I think it's a good pick. I really like him as a dog as well. Uh, All right, let's actually get to our official dog of the week, though. It's Jacob Malcolm 130 over A.J. Dobson. Let's hear it.
0: So I love Jacob Malcolm. first of all. He is a guy who uh, I feel like got his contract just because he's friends with Robert Whitaker. He's one of his big training partners. He lost in 16 seconds in his debut, and I think a lot of people wrote him off after that. He follows that up with an amazing victory over... Uh, Alasan, Hassan, which is, is not an easy person to beat. And not only did he beat him, but he, he grinded him out for 15 minutes and avoided big blows. It was an incredible performance. He's also an Abu Dhabi qualifier. Uh, he won, I, I believe an oceanic, uh, um, qualifier to get to the adCCs he didn't wind up competing because he had an mma fight that weekend and didn't fight in it so um a- as a result like I- i'm really high in his grappling he's fighting a guy who kind of leans on his physicality over technique i'm going with the technique guy here over the physicality i like jacob Malcolm plus 130.
3: Boom. I love it. Uh We want to hear on Twitter at Top Turtle MMA, if that dog comes through for people, hey, throw us a thank you. And if it doesn't, pretend you never heard of us. <laughs> Let's get to our parlay to play. Anato Moicano is a minus one seventy favorite. Andre Orlovsky also a minus one seventy favorite. But pair two minus one seventy favorites together, and it does get you plus money at plus one fifty five. Let's hear about the parlay to play.
0: So first of all, I can't believe Andre Orlovsky's a favorite. This has been a long time coming. I'm not sure he's been a favorite in years, but he's a favorite in this fight against Jared Vandera in, in you know, like look. If you look back at his last five fights, he's 4-1 in his last five fights, largely just beating up-and-comers who do not know properly how to pressure a heavyweight. Um, and Arlovsky does a really good job of keeping his distance, staying safe, staying away from big blows or stupid takedowns. I don't think Jared Vandera has got the appropriate game plan and the appropriate pressure to be able to beat somebody like Andre Arlovsky. So I'm taking him to win another decision here. And I like Hanano Moicano against Alex Hernandez. Again, I think people are writing off Moicano due to a bunch of losses. His losses are to Korean Zombie, Jose Aldo, Rafael Fiziev, like absolute killers. People were headlining pay-per-views in, in Fight Night cards. Alexander Hernandez gave up a bunch of takedowns to Olivier Aubon-Mercier and Donald Cerrone. I think Moicano's grappling is by far good enough to get the job done here against Alex Hernandez. I think he does so. I think he picks up a pretty easy win. And getting two of those guys who I think have great stylistic matchups at plus 155, I think is the smart play.
3: Boom! But I'll tell you what I'll tell you. What else is a smart play? It's listening to us. Let us know if you if you liked our picks. Let us know if you hated our picks. At Top Turtle MMA, uh, same on Instagram at Top Turtle MMA. Gumby, we
0: are a rolling down the tracks. This train is a moving. Where do we stop next? Absolutely. We're going to transition now to my interview with Mana Martinez, who is fighting this weekend on the card as well. So we're going to get to that interview for you in just a moment. But before we do, you need to know that this interview with Mana Martinez is brought to you by Maroon Social, M-A-R-U-N-E. Maroon Social is the one and only social media app for the martial arts enthusiast. Whether you do kickboxing, judo, sambo, jujitsu, or any other martial art, you can use Maroon Social to log your training sessions, tag your training partners, log competitions, weigh-ins, and oh so much more. Ditch that dirty jiu-jitsu journal and get yourself Maroon Social wherever it is you download apps. Maroon Social brings you this interview with Mana Martinez. All right, and joining me today is Mana Martinez who fights Ronnie Lawrence at UFC Vegas 48. That fight is on February 19th. So, Mana, before we get into talking about that fight with Ronnie Lawrence, I I did want to talk about your kind of tough road to the UFC. You know, you had the loss on the Contender Series to Draco Rodriguez. Obviously, super young at the time of that loss, and still quite young in your career now. But what was your headspace like after losing in front of Dana White like that?
2: It was uh, it was tough. Of course, I'm a true competitor at heart, and um, I took it to heart. Obviously, so it was a tough time. But um, within a matter of two three weeks, I shook it off and uh, just put my head down and got my my behind back in the gym and and just got straight to work and i knew um within due time and as long as i racked up a couple wins in a row i'd um get another chance in front of dana and,
0: and of course that that chance does come pretty quickly right like you get the win then you get invited to be on looking for a fight so obviously you know they're looking at you for that reason you know they've already seen you once they're impressed with what they see what's the pressure like the drafting the, the fight in front of them a second time knowing like hey, 0-2 oh, oh in front of Dana White's not that good of a look.
2: Yeah, there was there was really no pressure. I love fighting in my hometown, and obviously I do that uh, uh, get a chance to do that again February 12th. So I knew um, fighting in my backyard and um, getting the second chance, especially with a live crowd in front of Dana, because that's, that's what I really enjoy, them fighting in a live setting. Um, I knew my time would come and um, I had no doubt in my mind that I wasn't going to come out victorious and the fashion that I did um, I knew as far as the time goes 30 seconds I I didn't quite expect it to be that fast but hey it took one shot to land and um, I was able to finish him and get out of there quick.
0: Absolutely now of course once again your debut in the UFC maybe not that quick it was a lot more drawn out You you get the split decision over Guido Canetti you know, after the long road, you know, having to fight on on the Contender Series, having to fight, I'm looking for a fight, doing all of that. You know, you said there's not a lot of pressure, but but what did it mean for you to finally get that win in the octagon after all of that?
2: It, it meant the world to me, you know, especially a week and a half after my coach passing. Um, it was a very emotional win, as you could tell from my post fight interview. I was um, in tears, and uh, it meant a lot. Uh, especially with uh, all the years and the hard work that I've put into this this game, and um, to finally get my hand raised, especially with the with the first fight I've had in the UFC, officially, uh, it meant the world, and um, I was truly honored. And I can't wait to have my hand raised many more times.
0: Absolutely, you've been here lots of years of experience, and you're saying that as a 25 year old man, but you actually mean it. You know, you've been in the sport fighting since you were a teenager. Did you always know that you wanted to be a fighter? Did you always know that you wanted to fight?
2: I think I think uh, it finally hit me when I uh, when I met Dana. How, how old was I? I probably about twelve years old. And uh, he came to our karate school because that's where I originally started off martial arts at four years old. But when he came to our um, our martial arts studio, like when I was twelve years old, and I seen him live in person, I was like guy's gonna be my future boss one day so I think that's when it truly hit me and uh kind of kicked me up to train a little bit harder and and just motivated me so yeah I always knew I was gonna do this and and uh I always like to think of it as I'm I'm a Filipino Hawaiian and Hispanic and that's like the two best fighting blood so of course it's a it's a almost destined for me and meant for me to fight I, I love that. Now, I got to ask you, though, you you just said you got to meet Dana White
0: when you were 12 years old in your karate studio. I, I got to hear more about this interaction. W- were you able to, like, talk with him, or was this one of those things where, he you know, he pops into the gym, he says hi to everybody, gives a quick little speech, and heads on out?
2: Yeah, it, it was something something similar to that. Uh, You know, he, he got a chance to say hi to everyone, and um, I think he did have a little speech or something like that. But uh, when it was my turn to take a picture with him, I clearly – clear as day I remember telling him either i'm gonna be fighting for you one day or i'll be playing for the new york yankees and I, <laughs> at the time i was I was playing baseball a lot so obviously i'm not playing for the yankees now and uh i kept my word to him and i'm and i'm fighting for him so uh it's it was a it's been a dream come true and I it's only the beginning of my journey my long journey
0: well, and, and I'm going to ask you one more question about this, because that, that's a confident 12-year-old in the first place, too. And and I'm sorry your dreams of the Yankees didn't work out for you, but the other one did. What what made you so sure you were going to be a professional fighter at that moment? What made you convinced that, you know, this is the career path for me now at 12 years old?
2: Um, Honestly, just, just how long I have been doing it for. Like I mentioned, since I was four years old. And there's really nothing anything I any other sport I knew besides like I kind of mentioned baseball so I I kind of knew deep down within within me and not only myself but my family my parents as well especially my dad he knew this is what I was destined for and kind of pushed me in that direction and and I was all for it you know so I'm glad that him and my mom helped me get to that direction and uh yeah that it's just just uh how long I had been doing it for, and, you know, the direction my parents pushed me, I I knew that this was going to be my career, ultimately. Well, I
0: love it, and I'm glad they did. So let's talk a little bit about this fight with Ronnie Lawrence at UFC 271. Uh, Obviously, Ronnie Lawrence comes through the Contender Series as well. I'm sure you've gotten a chance to see his fight on it. Dana White was extremely high on Ronnie Lawrence after watching him fight. In fact, he even called him an absolutely special kid What are sort of your thoughts on both the fact that that Dana White thinks so highly of this guy you're about to fight and the opportunity to maybe take some of that shine?
2: Uh, Yeah, (laughs) take some of that shine, you know, maybe kind of derail the hype train. Um, Maybe that's what Dana's seen that night. And uh, I don't know. I'm sure Dana's seen it that same night. But the guy he fought in Contender Series is the same guy I also fought in Looking for a Fight. So, I mean, maybe Dana got to see the whole 15 minutes, because I want to say that fight went to a full decision. And, um, maybe more of that guy's skill set. And with my fight, it was only 30 seconds. So maybe Dana didn't quite see anything as special because he didn't get to see 14 minutes and 30 seconds extra of, of my, uh, fighting skill set, which is, which is no worries. Um, I just see it as another fight. You know, Dana, Dana said, has said many things before and, um, I don't want to say I'll have to go out there and prove them wrong, but I'll show them who's the, um, the real special kid, and and deep down, I, I think that's me.
0: Well, we're looking forward to seeing it. Now, you know, in your debut, you, you actually wrestled Guido Canetti quite a bit, but if you look at your record, and in obviously the Jose Johnson fight, which you're talking about there, your hands have gotten it done notoriously most of the time is it one of these fights where you're going to have to kind of see where this one goes or or do you have a a real clear path to victory in your mind?
2: It'll, it'll be a little bit of both, you know, at the end of the day, I see myself dictating the pace of the fight and, um, him having a counter fight a lot, you know, if he wants to try and press me and and utilize his wrestling, he can, but, um, I've had a real great, awesome training camp. So I've got a good strategy, a good game plan that I've came up with with uh me and my coach and um you know it's 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 going to be a it's going to be a special one so I don't I don't really see the fight going past two rounds but I know he's um he likes to take it to deep waters so it'll it'll be a challenge but you know I'm up for it and this is the this is where I've always wanted to fight at
0: well, you know, I always like to get a prediction out of my fighters before I let them go. You said you can't see it getting past two rounds, or hope you can't see it getting past two rounds. How do you see it ending then, if it is going to end quickly on uh, February
2: twelfth? Ah, I see ending. Um, I see it ending up in a finish, whether it be standing or on the ground. going go all fifteen. I'm battle proven. I just proved that with my last fight, so. I'm ready to go all 15, but uh, trying to make it a quick night's work in my hometown and and go celebrate with my family and friends.
0: Well, we're looking forward to it, and we're hoping that you're pulling that off. Once again, fans, this has been Mana Martinez, who fights Ronnie Lawrence at UFC 271. That fight is on February 12th. Mana, thank you so much for the time. I really appreciate it.
2: I appreciate it. Thank you a lot.
0: And that's going to do it for another episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast. We want to thank you, the fans, for tuning in each and every week. We cannot do what we do without you guys. We also want to thank our sponsors, Maroon Social, Better Van Vegas, and, of course, Double Nickel Sports Betting. And remember, you can check us out on Twitter and Instagram, at Top Turtle MMA in both of those locations. And until next week, I'm Daniel Gubby Freeland. He is Shockwave Dave Tremonte. And we'll catch you then.